How many of you believe in a miracle-working God? So do I. I've been away for seven weeks. I haven't preached in this church for eight weeks. So I'm going to do a sermon this morning in under 30 minutes. That's a miracle. Watch. See how big God is. But before I do that, I believe, um, so my time doesn't officially start yet. I believe that we have a birthday, birthday boy in the house, Steve Biddy. Is that right? It's tomorrow, is it? Who else? Andy G. Who else? Is there only two? Okay, well, I think we should sing happy birthday to them. What do you reckon? Okay, one, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you and you. Happy birthday, dear Steve and Andy. Happy birthday to you. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. And God bless. Awesome. All right. Wasn't it a good day when they were born? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, guys, um, I want to share with you this morning um, something that is close to my heart. I believe it is my job in this church. Um, as the as the founding pastor and as the shush, as the founding pastor and as the guy who God called here from originally from South Africa, then into Melbourne, and then to Perth, and then to this part of Perth that really wasn't wasn't much. It was just sand lots and empty empty bush, and God gave me a vision, and he asked me to to build according to the pattern that he'd given me to be able to see the vision accomplished, and the vision God gave me still hasn't come to pass. We're getting closer. It's been 15 years since I began building here, and we're getting close and I can start to see some things starting to form that reflect that vision beautifully. But what God's asked me to do is to be the primary vision carrier and the primary vision caster. That it is my job to try to connect each one of you to the reason why God brought us here. And, you know, there's this thing in the church at the moment where people come to church for a variety of reasons, a whole host of reasons. And somehow, supernaturally, by the power of God, it is my job to coalesce all of these things into one primary vision, to get all of the various desires and dreams and callings and demands and expectations and frameworks for what church should be in your mind to get us all to have one mind on it. It's what keeps me awake at night. It's what wakes me up really early in the morning to pray for you. It's what sends me on walks for hours and hours saying, God, I cannot possibly do this. Only you can do this. So I am constantly living in faith, by faith, 
asking God to do something that is absolutely impossible for me to do. But every time I get up here to share with you, I've got to do it as though it is possible. I've got to speak as though this is actually what is humanly impossible is actually possible with God. And so I'm speaking not my words, but God's words. And I'm moving not in my power, but in God's power. And I'll catch you at all different stages of your journey. I'll catch you when you're up. I'll catch you when you're down. I'll catch you when you want vision and you want to be inspired. And I'll catch you when you want to be left alone. I'll catch you when you're flush and you're on top of your game and you've got lots of cash and you're feeling like the king of the world. And I'll catch you when you're at the bottom of the game. You've lost everything. You've got to start again. And you feel like you're nothing and dust. And that is the job of the church is to be the constant through all the vagaries of life. It's got to be the one place where you come and you know what you are going to get. I'm not talking about predictability and boring. I'm talking about having the right expectation. So when you come into this place, you're not coming in when you're up expecting everybody to talk the language, when you're down expecting everybody to get around you and cry with you. You know what I'm saying? You come in here and you know you are going to hear the word of God. You come in here and you know that you are going to worship a living God and in the, in the midst of worship, your heart and your mind is going to get changed. You come in here and you know that you are going to rub shoulders with a whole host of different people. Some are going to rub you up the wrong way. Some are going to affectionately rub you and some are going to, are going to be kind and some are going to humble you. There's a whole host of things that are going to happen in the ref- the mess of a relationship that is the church family. But that's what you should expect because this is where God wants you to grow. And so he puts people around us to help us to grow. And so this is the kind of stuff that God has been speaking to me about. I've been, I've been through a major operation. I'm still in recovery. Um, I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for your kindness all through it. We received meals and uh, messages, and I had visits in the hospital. I really want to thank you so much uh, for your love for us, for me. I really appreciate it, so thank you. Um, But the time away, I believe, God used, and it's given me an opportunity to really start to ask him some serious questions. And I was really hoping for something new and for something bigger, better, but further out there to reach for. And God just kept bringing me back to, why did I bring you here? Why did I take you from, you've got to know the town I came from and the world I came from. You've got to know that it took a miracle to get me out of that place. I was from a small town, economically depressed, where the future for a guy like me, a young white male, the future was not very bright uh, in, in the political context that I was living in. And the ability to dream of leaving that country and going somewhere else was supernatural. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think it was possible. But God decided that he wanted me to be a missionary and to leave that place. So from the day that I left that place, it has been miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And God said to me, why did I bring you here? 
So you could get comfortable, you could buy your house, get your cars. I live near the best surf spots in, in all of Perth. That's why I live there. It wasn't a divinely inspired thing that got me to Two Rocks. It was a surf thing that got me to Two Rocks. When we moved into Butler, I would spend all my free, free time and spare time up at the spot, Yanshep, the spot, and Lancelin. I've already warned Trish, the minute the people get too many up near Two Rocks, we're going to Lancelin so I can get uncrowded surf. So, you know, that's where I came from. That's how I thought about life. And God said, is that why I brought you? I brought you so you could just get comfortable, have your surf, feel good. You know, some people are kind enough to listen to you for a couple of minutes a week and you feel like you're doing well. I said, no, actually, I don't think that's the reason, God. And so he took me through the Old Testament. And I began in Genesis. I'm currently finishing Deuteronomy. Man, has it been hard. Like, I just wanted to speed through the boring bits and get to the exciting bits. And God just kept keeping me in that place and saying, I just want you to go through the discipline of reading this. And what I've come to understand is that he gave me a new lens for understanding how Moses led the people of Israel. And it was Moses' job to transition people from being slaves and from having a wrong identity about themselves, a wrong belief about why they were where they were. And he had to walk them through the process of transition. It took 40 years. And as I read what Moses did, he basically just said the same thing over and over and over again for 40 years until they got to the threshold of their new promise. And God said to me, that, my son, is what I want you to do. I want you to be like Moses, and I want you to give the same message over and over and over again until my people transition into where I need them to go. Now, as I share the message over and over again, I learn every time, and I get new gleanings, new glimpses of what God's saying. It's incredible. But what happens is I start to see the next step and live in the next step supernaturally. I actually feel like I'm past what I'm telling all of you and I'm moving into the next stage. And so I'm able to live in the current and look back to where I was and say, hey guys, we've got to keep moving through that. And my role in the church is not just for this congregation some of you know, we've got a couple of congregations that we, we look after, but also God has asked me to speak to the broader church, and so I speak to other churches, and I notice similarities in all of their lives. And so it's, for me, it's really important. Moses said it like this. He said, remember everything that God has done for you. Don't forget how great it is to have a God like him and how great it is to be his people, that there's no other people like you in all the earth whose God is close and answers when when you pray. Don't forget that. But also, tell it to your children and to your children's children. Why? 
were they going to also walk from Egypt through the desert into a promised land? Was that going to be the journey for the kids who grew up in the promised land? Hello? Anyone? Do you think God told Moses to tell the children and the children's children because what was going to happen was they're going to go back to Egypt and go through it all over again and come through physically. Do you think that was going to happen? I heard a no. That's the correct answer. No. There was a spiritual principle that was happening in going from Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land that was going to be repeated in every generation. It's going to be repeated in all of our lives. Every one of us is going to come out of slavery, go through a process of transition and be faced with choices where we'll either see the giants or we'll see the gigantic fruit. We're either going to see the limitations or the opportunity for God to work. We're going to be faced with faith crises. And then we're going to have to make a choice and we're going to have to walk through that in order to come into our promised land, what God has promised us and what God wants to give us. That's why he said, teach it to your children and your children's children. And so, as I've been doing this for 15 years in this place, I've noticed some things. And I want to share it with you, and I want you to be equipped to share it with your children and your children's children. I want these things to be settled in One Church Perth, that we don't have to go through these things. We can go to the next stage. That's my heart for you. But the reality is some of you are not going to listen and you're not going to take it on board and you're going to go through that process and we'll be walking with you as you go through that process. But there are some of you today who want to hear this and want to, and want to receive it and want to say, okay, help me to think differently. Help me to think like a Joshua and a Caleb thought. Help me to think like that minority who really believed it and lived it and got to the other side. Help me to think like that. And if you are those people in this room this morning, if you can get over the way you feel now, if you can rise above whatever reason you have for not receiving from me, maybe you're offended by something I said or did, or somebody in the leadership said or did, maybe you're Um, you're feeling like God has rejected you and abandoned you. Maybe you've got every reason under the sun not to receive. But if you're able to somehow rise above that and say, just give me a couple of things that I can build on, that I can pass on to my children and my children's children. If, If you can, if that's you, listen up. We're about to go there. The first, I want to remind you of what we heard last week, the pattern for biblical giving, the pattern for God. God's way of giving. Do you know what the most prosperous and the most uh, advanced nation in the world is? Do you know where it is? It's Israel. Israel has produced more Nobel Prize winners than any other nation. Israel has produced more inventions in the last 50 years than any other nation. Israel has more prosperity per capita than any other nation. Why? That's a good question to ask. Why? Because they practice the pattern for biblical giving. It's cultural. It's just how they manage their money. We shared it with you last week. If you would like to be one of the most blessed people on earth, and you would like to have God's creative power 
breaking loose in you, in your family, and in your children, and in your children's children. If you'd like to set up not just yourself, but your children and your children's children, the biblical pattern for giving, for using money, will do that for you. It works. It works for individuals. It works for nations. It works for churches. It'll work. So if you're looking for something this morning, go back to last week's podcast, listen to it, set yourself up for life. That's the first thing I can give you. The second thing I can give you, I've got a whole heap of slides. I'm not using them. The second thing I can give you is that we're living in an age where the church is confused. Our church, maybe not, but the church across the world, the body of Christ, is a little bit confused. The church is confused about what our message is. And Jesus made it very clear when he came. He said, I've come to tell you to repent, to change your thinking, and to receive the gospel of the kingdom of God. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. The church has got confused. The church around the world, especially in the West, preaches portions of the gospel of the kingdom of God. We've got a whole bunch of churches that are built on the gospel of salvation. My dad's an evangelist. He preached in Zululand and Ponderland in Africa. He led more than 50,000 men to Jesus. He established more than 500 churches. He trained over 1,000 pastors. And my dad, if there was one man who knew the gospel of salvation, it was my dad. He was like, don't bother me with any other details. I just want to preach the gospel. And he did. He preached people saved. But do you know what the problem was? That these saved men came to be trained, but they came with five wives. They came with HIV AIDS. They came with poverty because the kingdom had not broken through in their lives to change cultural patterns. The, the gospel of salvation broke through and they went, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. That's clever. Yes, I want my sins forgiven. We can go to a slide. There it is. I want to know that I'm loved by God. I want to know that my life's going to get better. All these, all these men were like, yes, we want that. But what changes our lives is not just that we got saved. What truly changes our lives for all eternity is the next slide, the gospel of the kingdom. Where you can say, I've found the all-consuming passion for my life. It's God and his kingdom. See, I've, I've led, I want to be, I've led maybe 10,000 people to Christ in all the countries I've worked in. Put your hand up. They put their hand up. Say this prayer. They said this prayer. Come forward. I'll talk to you. Okay, you're a Christian now. You're saved. I've led maybe 10,000 people like that. But I am looking at this church, and I'm saying to you that is not enough. 
For your life to be forever changed, you need to encounter the kingdom of God. If you want to take anything away today, and you're not going to take away how to give and and practice biblical financial stewardship, okay, leave that one, then take this one away. You need to encounter the kingdom of God, and it needs to change you forever. You don't just need to be saved. Getting saved is the starting point. It's like putting on your swimmers. The kingdom is the ocean where you're going to dive in and swim and flourish. And so when you can say, I found the all-consuming passion of my life, God and his kingdom, where you can say, my life is no longer worth living. It's hidden in Christ. My life is all about Jesus. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. Jesus Christ now reigns in me. When that becomes the confession of your faith, the kingdom of God has come into your life. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of confused Christians today who are only saved and have their own life. I'm saved, but I've got my own life to live. I've got a career. I've got to work through. I've got a family. I've got to try and hold together and do life with and and, and do okay with. The kingdom has not come to you fully yet. If you're still living a dichotomy, two lives, if you're still living one foot in the church and one foot in the world, one way of thinking about God and another way of thinking about your life, then the kingdom has not come into your life yet. The kingdom doesn't play second fiddle. It takes over. It rules entirely. When you get the kingdom of God, that little seed of revolution in your life, it won't settle just to have a little compartment that is Sunday only and another little compartment that is pray when you're in the poo. It won't just settle for two little compartments. The kingdom will take over when the kingdom is really inside of us. Hello? When when the kingdom of God has come into you, it's about my father's kingdom being my number one priority. And you're constantly thinking, how can I advance God's kingdom with all my time, treasure, and talent? When the kingdom of God has come into you, you start to think, about yourself differently. You say, I've been adopted as a son or a daughter of God. My eternal future far outweighs anything on this earth. You become eternally minded. So it's really simple to check. What do you think about most? What motivates you the most? What do you spend the most on? Time, money, energy, etc. When the kingdom comes into you, you start to think very differently. And that's why I say the church is very confused. We're living in a generation where God is calling the church back to the fullness of his kingdom. He's calling guys like me to leave their sleepy little town where they surf all day and earn a a nice little wage and have a happy little life with a nice house and a nice fence and, in our case, a very high fence with barbed wire and dogs and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, you know, when you he calls us to leave that and dive into the ocean of his kingdom.
to go, let's see how deep you go, mate. Let's see how far we can go. And that is my job in this church is to constantly call you out of anything less than the kingdom of God. If you're living in any other place than the fullness of the kingdom of God, you're not living to the fullness of Christ. That's why I'm here. The other thing that God said was that we were here to bring transformation. And transformation starts personally. Like if, if I'm not fully living for God, there's no way I can call you to do that. It doesn't work like that in the kingdom. Jesus doesn't like hypocrites, hypocrisy. He doesn't like that. He likes all in. Now, how many of us have heard that accusation about the church? It's just full of hypocrites. So my goal is to make sure we're not full of hypocrites. We're full of people who want to live all out for God. Does that mean we're perfect? Not at all. Not at all. But it does mean that our passion is perfect. So, in this church, as far as it is up to me, you, your children, and your children's children are going to experience personal transformation. And you are going to be part of seeing the church transformed into what God wants it to be. And you are going to be part in, in seeing the community we live in, transformed to be known as the God part of Perth. And then you are going to be part of God's heart to see the nations transformed. I need you guys to connect to the bigness of what we're about. We were called out of darkness into light. We were chosen before the foundations of the earth. You were hand-picked, selected, crafted, and designed, put together in your mother's womb, injected with the DNA of your heavenly Father, with all the potential spiritual giftings and spiritual abilities. You were divinely endowed with these things until the day came when you and Jesus had a meeting and it was all activated and came to life. And it wasn't done just for you, and it wasn't done just for your family, and it wasn't done just for your local church. It was done so that God's heart for the nations would be able to be realized. You, me, all of us have got a mandate, a calling for the nations. It's so big. It's so much bigger than just doing life. And we have a church currently in the world that wants to spend forever telling you about how you can make your life better. When we should be telling you how to make the nations bow their knee before Jesus. Because trust me, on May 18, we're going to get a result that's either going to help us be more like Jesus, either going to help us to be the great south land of the Holy Spirit, or it's going to hinder us. It's going to make it harder to live for Jesus and harder to be the great south land of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens in the nations. And each of us have a vote. Now, in the natural, what does a vote do? Well, it's good if you vote the right way. It helps. But it's not going to solve the problem. 
What solves the problem in the nations is the church of Jesus Christ. Who is that? You, 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 me, the children and the children's children. We carry this nation-transforming power and DNA that needs to be unleashed and used by God. But some of us are stuck in a place where that's too big. That's beyond me. So we try our best to break it down. Jesus said, my house will be known as a house of prayer for all nations. So if there's nothing else that you can reach for to to tap into your mandate to change the nations, then just reach for being a house of prayer for all nations. Pray for your country. Pray for whatever God said about your country. Pray once a week. Once a month, whatever you haven't done, start doing that. Start tapping into the bigness of what you were called out, created, crafted, knitted together for. Start tapping in on whatever level you can. I've been through it, guys. I've been through where I feel like I'm nothing, nobody, and whatever I do doesn't make a difference. I get it. I've been through where I felt so insignificant like a grasshopper in front of giants. I've been there. I've been through where I feel like I'm Superman and I can do anything for God. I've been there too. But I want to tell you what needs to stay constant is the conviction that God wants to use me as part of his church to disciple the nations. Now, you can say, well, that's just too big. How are we going to explain that to our kids? Okay. Remember I said it's miraculous where I came from. When I was at high school, in our final year of high school, they'd give you your, your school shirt and, and you would draw like a picture on the back of your shirt of something that represented you. And then you'd take it around the school and people would sign it and write little messages on your school shirt. And that was your matriculation shirt, your finishing school shirt. On the back of my shirt, I drew a picture of the then prime minister of the country. I used to laughingly claim he was my uncle because he had the same surname as me. But he's not my uncle, I don't think. Anyway, and everyone in my class said, Paul, you could be the next prime minister. You could be a politician. But, you know, the country we lived in went through this turmoil of change, and there was absolutely no way that that would ever happen for me. And besides, God called me to something greater. But I look back on that and I go, God, right back then, you put this hunger in me to change the nation, to want to do something for the nation. And you know what God's done? So he's taken me back to the nation of South Africa, and I've walked through the halls of Parliament And I've shaken hands with parliamentary leaders and key leaders who've been put there by God and who know that their role is to pray for God's plan in the nation. I've I've seen where the founding fathers of our nation inscribed on the walls of the old building of parliament their initials. This is a, a privilege that very few people will have. I've prayed with the leaders of the country. 
I went to the Philippines and was introduced to the governor of the region that includes Manila and the greater regions around. And got to sit with him and share the gospel with him and pray with him. I've been to, where else? Australia. I've prayed with three prime ministers and with senators across, across the parliament. I'm missing some other countries. But wherever God's taken me, he said, Paul, you wanted to use this mandate for the nations so you could be prime minister. How about you use this mandate for the nations to be my minister to those prime ministers? And I just was like, whoa, me? The dope-smoking, drunken, party-animal, beach-loving guy from a slum town, as we called it. You've taken me through all these nations to do all these things? That's ridiculous. I didn't finish varsity, university. I didn't, I didn't have any qualifications that should be able to put me in those places except the mandate of God. I want you as parents to share this with your kids because one of them might do that or greater. I want you to lay hands on them and bless them and say the nations are your inheritance. How can we say that? Because it's an oath from God. He promised it to Abraham and to every other descendant who would come from Abraham. You carry the same promise. The nations are your inheritance. And yet we as Christians, the church is so confused. We run around like chooks with our heads chopped off, scrabbling for a little scrap and a little piece, a little corner in the world to try and make it. That's so beneath us. We need to rise up as the people of God and understand what we carry. And stop limiting him. And stop letting petty little offenses and petty little things strip us of the authority that we carry. I promise you, Trish and I have prayed prayers for our parliament that has literally turned things around. Stopped things in their tracks. And who are we? We're nothing except that we're children of the Most High God. Who've tapped into our mandate to change nations. And there's young people sitting here and you've, you've written yourself off and you've said, oh, look, you know, that's not for me. That's too great. I'm just going to, you know, muddle through life and I'm just going to make my best effort at trying to get married and trying to have a family and trying to hold it together. Stop settling for less. If that's your mandate from God, go for it. Be blessed in it. But there is greater stuff inside of you that can, can promote you and send you where your, your abilities can't take you. I just believe you guys are the greatest church in the universe. And I'm not saying that to, to puff you up. I mean, I really believe that because I believe I'm connected to the greatest king in the universe. And I believe I've got something from God that supersedes everything else. And then you came along and you've connected in, so you must be too. You must also be one of the greatest human beings alive because of the great God who lives in you. I mean, I could point, I could just, I know Moses did this. He just went through the stories, story after story after story, telling them 
Hey, do you remember? Do you remember when God did this? Do you remember when God did that? Do you remember who you are? Do you remember Pete and Dolly? When you sat at my kitchen table and you said, we'll go anywhere except Africa. Ha ha. Last laughs on God. Because God said, no, actually, you had a dream of hundreds of kids sitting at Jesus' feet. And he acknowledged that it was because of your ministry that they got there. And it's been going on for generations. I believe that. And I sought God and I said, let's go to Africa. Because there's more kids there. We went to Philippines. We, we did it all over. It's not over, by the way. There's more to come. And then this bloke wandered into the office one day. And he's a welder, boilermaker. Forget that term. And he said, God's called me to work for the church. Oh, okay. And he said, I've got this revelation of the book of Ephesians that is just blowing my mind. Made my day, made my week, made my life. I'm like, that's my book too. That's exactly what God told me that messed me up. And the journey began for Chris. And I saw this guy grow. He got married. He had a baby. Had another baby. Another one, another one. Anyway, and um, he went through enormous faith challenges because as an immigrant kid, he'd been trained to look after his money and work wisely within your limits. That's what us immigrants do well because our parents had to start again from nothing. Well, he broke down those limitations, didn't he? Because when he ran out of money, God came through again and again. And so there was this roller coaster of four or five years with Chris that you guys probably weren't that aware of because he was just standing up in front of you and crying most Sundays. Uh, <laughs> you know I love you. Okay, but those are the stories. God was moving in his heart, changing him forever. It's not over. This man's going to go and plant churches. He's going to go and establish the kingdom of God in different parts of our country. It's not over. It's just part of the journey. This young lady came and said, I remember she was so scared to come and talk to me uh, about it because she was going to leave the church and wanted to go to South Africa to be a missionary. And she thought I'd be upset. How foolish. Man, this is the most exciting day of my life, Alyssa. Yes, we'll send you. Yes, we'll send you there. Go and do it. And for two years, Alyssa worked on the front line in South Africa, changing little people's lives. Where's Big G? Where's Big Gabriel? There we go. Okay, so was it two years ago, MS? Two years ago. So Gabe, um, Gabe said, you know, I want to be a minister. I want to be a pastor in the church. And I said, cool, let's do this. And then he got sick. And I watched him not take a backward step for two years. With a crippling disease. What a testimony, hey? What a hero. I can punch him now, he won't hit me. And the journey's not over. Him and Rui, they're going to be doing Bible college and they get, we're going to help them become pastors. I don't know where they're going to end up. I hope it's here forever. 
But if not, they're missionaries. We're training them to get out there and be missionaries. Then Haley came. And Haley said, I feel, I feel the Lord's asking me to be a pastor. <laughs> and I need to study. And I said, well, that's lovely, Haley, just lovely. And um, so we... <laughs> We're helping her to study. She's got eight children. And she's going to study to be a pastor. I mean, ridiculous. No, there's another word. Redonkulous. Like there aren't words for the, for the, the courage and the kingdom of God has hit these people. The kingdom of God hit Gabe as Chris, Haley. It's hitting us. It's changing us forever. We've got to keep hitting on the kingdom of God over and over. It's bigger than anything you've ever dreamed of. It makes you do wild and crazy, stupid things. I'm going to pick on a young man for a moment, okay? And he's going to probably try and pay me back for the rest of the week for doing it. But anyway, here we go. So I know this young man. I know him quite well. His name's Luke. And, um, yes, hi, Luke, hi. <laughs> you know what? This young man has got a call of God on his life, just like most young people have. And he's been given a gift from God. And God uses him in unique ways whenever they go away on the camp, sometimes in the church, God shows him things. And they're like little keys that unlock something for the whole group. And he shares it with Pastor Matt or he shares it with me. We put it into practice and we have Holy Spirit explosions after that. Now this young man, that's a gift from God. And he's carrying in him the explosive, it's called dunamis power, the explosive power of the Holy Spirit. And he's 15 and he loves screens, and he loves to hang out with the mates and play games and that. So he's got this incredible tussle, this tug of war for his soul, for his future, that he's in wrestling with at the moment. Am I going to follow God fully? Am I going to follow the world? I've got this dream to be used by God. I've got this dream to make movies and be famous. I've got this dream. I've got all these things. And he's caught in the midst of it. And the kingdom of God hits him every year, time and time again, to make his life restless and uncomfortable so that he never settles for anything less than the full package of what God's got for him. Now, he's not alone. I love him ferociously. Um, he's not alone. There's other boys that I can point to. We've already highlighted some of them. Other girls that I can point to, but I won't because I just did. Um, and it's the idea that the kingdom of God is working generationally. And then there are people groups that we are praying, God, wake up the people groups. Wake up cultures, tribes. Because one day every tribe, every tongue, and every nation is going to be gathered before Jesus. And they are going to declare him as Lord of all. And we need missionaries to tribes and tongues. It's, the job's not done yet. 
We want to see the kingdom of God come. We're going to need them. And so I've watched this particular couple for the last few years going on a journey of God preparing them to be missionaries to a particular tribe. God handpicked them to be together to make it happen. And one day, when God has fully formed every conviction in them, that each one of those convictions is a key to unlock the tribe, when those are fully formed and they have a key ring full to go to the tribe and say, well, we're going to unlock the witchcraft that's locked you up. We're going to unlock the abuse that's locked you up. We're going to unlock the divorce and the family breakup that's locked you up. We're going to unlock the crushed dreams that are on a generation. We're going to unlock that. When that's fully formed in them, they're going to go and do that. The kingdom of God has come into them. I know they, they have wrestled with it, and they've, but I remember very clearly the night that it hit them. Easter, some years ago. I don't do the year. I just remember the night. Easter night, Trish shared her story. And some of you girls were all together. You came up and you said, that's our story too. Remember that? And there's a need for God's order to unlock that tribe. And so God's busy sorting out order, Pete, just so you know. I'm done. Guys, I'm the chief storyteller. I'm the chief vision carrier. I carry an anointing from Isaiah 61. I've told you, you can have it too. You can do more than I can do. If I'm an Elijah, you're an Elisha. Go do double. I'm not standing here blowing my own trumpet. It's Jesus' trumpet that I'm blowing. Okay? I'm walking in my confidence and my humility. I don't know if you can feel that or pick that up. You probably think I'm being arrogant and proud. Not true. My confidence is grounded in God. I'm humbly submitted to Him. Do I want to be here? No. My flesh wants to be somewhere else. But I humbly submit to my God, and I will be here. And I will remain the vision carrier, the vision caster, the storyteller. I'll remain the constant in your life that keeps referring you back to the fullness of the kingdom of God. I'll remain the one who keeps telling you, don't let the confusion in the church come into your home or your life. Stay strong on these things. I wrote a book. Go read it if you haven't read it. It's got all this stuff in and more. We have a serious job to do, and God has called together a serious bunch of people to do it. You're all at different stages. We can all learn from each other, but we are a family. We are the family of God, the nation of God. We are part of his kingdom. We're kids of his kingdom. That is something we should be praising God for. That's why this church is a house of praise. That's why we like milk it and beat it up every Sunday. Come on. We've got a reason to praise God. We're connected to something exceedingly abundantly great. And if you're not connected, reconnect today. Pull your life into line with God and his kingdom. Gabe, can we do the last... Thing for communion now, please. I, I've, did I do that? What did I do? Huh? 45. <laughs> I think I, I'm just, I'm, I think I did 30. Okay. 
It felt like 30. All right. So, guys, we're going to take communion. And we're going to just close with communion. I really pray that you'd be able to take one of these things away with you and just knit them into your life, knit them into your children's lives, and they can knit it into their children's lives. We're different. It's cool. Rion is the most different guy I know, but I still love him. And I can get away with saying that. I'm the only one who can get away with saying that. If anyone else said that, we'd be in trouble. Okay, so that's the joy of family. We can, we can tease each other and love each other. And, but, man, we, we're carrying something amazing. Come on, let's hand out all the elements, please. Tristan, don't drop it, please. My boy, you've only got one arm. We're going to sing the song, Jesus, I Love You, while the elements are being handed out. And um, then we'll just take communion together and finish with another song. So just make that the focus of your heart. Lord Jesus, I just pray. I've, uh, <laughs> like, if Andre was here, he'd be doing something else. But this is part of your plan. I hope I've done what you wanted me to do. If I haven't, just take my words and let your word rest in the heart of your people, I pray. As we prepare our hearts for communion, hey guys, if you have, listen, listen carefully, this is for your own health, your own, your own health physically and spiritually. If you have anything against anybody in this family of God or in any other family, you need to please sort that out. Sort it out with God and with, with them before you drink of this cup and eat of this bread. Because this symbolizes the full sacrifice of God so we can be one. Don't take it lightly. Thanks. Thanks.